Welcome back, listeners, to So Organised Style Podcast, produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, and it's So Over 50 Thursday. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors. The Australian Sewing Guild, who has been our Monday Daily Series regular, is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Welcome back to Sew Organised Style Podcast. Today is Sew the 50 Thursday and I'm really honoured to introduce you to our special guest, Tamasa. She's been a really active member of Sober 50, so it made just perfect sense that today's podcast is your introduction to what Tamasa does and what she's all about. Yay! Yes! <laughs> How are you, Tamasa? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. I love your sewing room. Yes, I love my sewing room too. It has things in it that make me happy. It's my happy place. My machines, of course, and then my fancy calendar and a fashiony poster yeah yeah i love it very stylish yeah thank you tomasa can you tell our listeners what your instagram handle is my instagram handle is at so much fashion and so is sew so it's sew much fashion that's where you can find me great and do you have a blog or a website Actually, I I do have a blog by the same title. I'm not on Facebook. I don't have a YouTube channel. But I do have a blog that I haven't posted on for about two years or more than Mm -hmm. two years. And I keep thinking, well, I should post again. But I never get around to it. It's just hard to find time to do everything, working full-time hours and juggling family life and everything that you have to do. And I just... It's hard to find time, but I keep it up because I'm thinking I'll get back to it one day. I kind of fell off the bandwagon. After my last post, my dog had gotten very ill and she got cancer and and she passed. So Mm. it kind of threw me off the wagon and I just wasn't in the mood to post on the blog. And then after that, just life happened and things got busy and you know how it is. And yeah. the end of the year, I, I adopted another dog. So just never got back on the wagon. But you're very prolific with Instagram. And that's where I know I, I keep an eye on what you're doing in your sewing journey. Thank you. Can you tell our listeners about your sewing history? Sure. I started sewing around maybe age 13 or 14 my mother taught me and actually my fascination was more with the actual machine itself i remember it was a nameless all metal light blue machine that she placed on top of a table and she bought it from a door-to-door salesman remember when that was (laughs) 
many moons ago. Many moons. I was just fascinated with it and how it worked and everything. So she taught me how the machine worked. I just loved the machine. And so, of course, in order to use the machine, I had to sew and make things. So that's how I got into sewing. And she taught me. And I also read a lot of books at that time and was self-taught at that time and really uh, taught myself from the pattern instructions. And then I sewed until my late teenage years, early 20s. Then I got married. I got, you know, had a child. Yeah went back to college, finished my degree. I just stopped sewing for a long time and then got divorced. And then I was a single mom and just, um, it was a, a long time before I returned to sewing. I think I stopped sewing in my late teens, early twenties. And I started sewing again in my late thirties. And then when I started sewing again, I was like, wow, I missed it so much. I mm. can't believe I didn't turn to it during times when things were rough because it really is a refuge and you know when you're having a rough time it takes your mind away from things and it does it's just to me almost like therapy you know I was sewing with a vengeance and haven't stopped really I have my ebbs and flows like maybe my sojo might go on vacation for a little bit but then it comes back so I decided that I wanted to take my sewing to the next level then I started taking classes at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. Yeah. They have certification programs. I didn't want to get a design degree because I had just gotten a college degree and didn't want another degree. Although looking back, maybe I should have. But anyway, (laughs) I got certifications in all couture sewing, ladies tailoring, and draping techniques. And then I took a lot of pattern drafting classes and I didn't completely finish the pattern drafting courses because the courses are just became prohibitively expensive because Mm. I live in New Jersey since FIT is in New York I have to pay out-of-state tuition and like maybe like almost 10 years ago is when I stopped going no maybe five years ago at that time it was three thousand dollars per course and it just too much. That's significant. Yeah, for the pattern making courses. I had two more courses to take. One was on uh, how to draft using pattern making software. And the other one, I think, was how to make line drawings Mm. and sportswear. But I learned enough from the first three courses to draft my own patterns, which is what I do a lot. I have a lot of fitting issues. So once I developed my own slopers, which took a while and a lot of muslins and tweaking, I developed my own slopers. I can draft my own pattern very quickly and know that the garment is going to fit me because the sloper is based on my body and my particular idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy I took those courses. It was a very good experience going to FIT and being among creative people and all these creative young people. And I met a lot of wonderful people. Professor Kenneth King was one of my professors. I took several courses and he's a great teacher. And yeah, I'm a great teacher. It was just a wonderful experience. 
backtracking a little bit, I'm, I'm also published. I am one of the Thread Magazine's pattern testers. I thought that was you. Yeah, they have a pattern review column for every issue. Yeah. And twice a year, they send me a pattern to test and twice a year. So twice a year, you will find my pattern test in the Threads magazine. And what they do is they send me a pattern mm. and I make it up in muslin. I send the muslin back to them. Right. And then I also answer a series of questions and then I email that back to them. And then they put everything together and they have their in-house seamstress make up the garment and fashion fabric. People think I make the garment that you see in the magazine, but that's not how they do it. Yeah, that's you what know. I thought. Yeah, yeah, everybody thinks that, but I just make a muslin and then tell them what the experience with the muslin was, right. what to watch out for, were there any issues? Did everything match up? Things like that. So that's how that works. And I also published an article for Vogue Patterns magazine. See, that was back in 2011, <laughs> a long time ago. But I was honored that I was able to publish in the magazine. I missed that magazine, but it's gone. It's good that you got published in that magazine and you've been contributing to the sign community through the pattern testing that you're doing through Threads magazine as well. Yeah. Let's see. I also taught a course, was a, a beginner sewing course at the local high school at night for adults. And I did that for a short amount of time. Mm. And I had a friend who was teaching that course and she got very ill and couldn't teach it. So mm. she asked me to teach for her and I did. And it was a good experience and I'm glad I did it. <laughs> it's lovely that you could step in for her. Yeah. I'm a perfectionist. I'm one of those people I have to do it right. If the seam is crooked, I have yes. to undo it and make it straight. And, you know, I just listened to the Love to Sew podcast and they had confessions of people like things that shortcuts and rebel things that people do when they're sewing. And my stomach was making somersaults at the time. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I thought that might have been the case because the reason I follow you is because you make sure that whatever you do fits you perfectly. And if you're not happy with it, it gets worked on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, anyway, everybody's different, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, that's why you want to sew. You want to sew because you want to make things that fit you and look nice. Yeah, and you always look nice. Thank you. And you're continuing to contribute to the sign community by being involved with Sew the 50 as well. Yes. Like I said, it's a really wonderful experience. One of the things I like about it is, to me, the way I see it, a way of spreading good cheer and love. Mm. Because to me, I worked for this company and they sometimes have these motivational things that they do for the employees. And they handed out this book once and it was about filling people's buckets. And basically you ask yourself, what did I do to fill someone's bucket today? And filling someone's bucket means you put good things in the bucket and positive things and things that make them feel better or bring good cheer. And so that's what I always ask myself when I'm on Instagram and on Sew Over 50. You know, it's just wonderful to fill people's buckets and say, you know, oh, this is wonderful and you did such a great job and I love the print and I love the color and it fits you beautifully. 
and I, and I really mean it. I mean, if, yeah. if something's not good, I won't say anything. Yeah, so it's a way of filling people's buckets. And I think when you do that, you also fill your own bucket because you're spreading good cheer to others. That's how I see my role at Soul Over 50. And I have fun posting in the stories. So sometimes I'll select people and, and I'll look in their personal profile to see if they've been featured in Soul Over 50 before. And every once in a while, I find someone who has not been. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to feature her or him. And, and then it's wonderful to get a response back. Oh, thank you. You made my day. And I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted to do. You've just filled their bucket. Yes, I filled their bucket. And when they've said thank you, that also comes back to you as well. It makes you feel good. Yes, yep. yes. Tomasa, you've told us your sewing history, but what's been one of the highlights of your sewing background? Well, I would say I have, I have two. Okay. One of them was I was a finalist in one of the uh, threads, magazines, challenges, that they do every year. I used to belong to the ASDP group, the Association of Sewing and Design Professionals. Mm -hmm. And in 2009, I participated in the Sew It Seems Challenge, and I was one of the finalists. So that was a, another great honor. And then uh, another highlight, I was a member of the American Sewing Guild, and I was one of the co-leaders for one of the neighborhood groups for a couple of years, and, and that was a lot of fun. So you would have made a lot of local connections in the sewing community. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing it anymore, though. But what you are doing now is you're facilitating online sewing connections through the Sew Over 50. Yes, yes. So I guess I'm kind of doing the same thing, except it's online now. <laughs> yeah, globally. Yes. Another thing that I published in was I published for the ASG Notions magazine. I wrote an article, Fashion and Going Green, and that was in the winter of 2011. So I think back then people were just starting to become aware of fashion's impact. or It was becoming more in the mainstream social consciousness, there were lots of activists already aware and working on the issues, but people were just starting to take notice. And so I wrote an article about the impact of fashion on our environment. And uh, I was happy that they selected it for publication. That thinking continues till today too. Yes, it does. It's very important. I live fashion yeah. because I also work in the fashion industry. I work for a, one of the major fashion apparel companies in the U.S. Nothing on the glamorous side. I, I was hoping I would break in to be a designer or something. But when I got into the company, designers had degrees and all these connections that I didn't have. But I did work in their production department. And I got to learn a lot about the fashion industry, uh, the mass market industry, the particular company that I work for, they did make an effort to be conscious of the quality product that they put out there. They have a whole team of people that collect samples from the factories before it goes into the mass production, and they test it. They will test the jewelry to see if there's lead in it. Mm -hmm. They will take the fibers and make sure that it is what it is. 
there was this coat that had like a fur trim around the hood and they tested it because it was supposed to be polyester and it turned out to be huskies, you know, because they, they looked under the microscope and saw that it wasn't synthetic. It was real. It was real. Oh, no. Yeah. And they were very upset and they canceled the order. And I don't know what happened, if they sued or, or I don't know, or reported them. I don't know the legal ramifications, but that's an example of what the company did. Like they didn't just accept the product, here you go. Like they tested it. Mm. And they also make an effort to make sure that the workers are paid fairly mm -hmm. and, you know, in good working conditions and safe and clean environment. So I'm happy that I've been working for them. I worked for them as an employee in their production department for about five years. And during that time, I was able to also interact with different departments in the company. Like the color department was interesting because, I mean, I couldn't get over this. They would have samples of the fabric, swatches of the fabric, and they would come in all these different, like, let's say it's purple or black. Let's right. say black. Yep. I remember this one skirt. It had black lace with a black satin line uh, of waistband and uh, lining underneath the lace. So it was all black. So I took it to the colorist because before we can tell the factory, okay, you're okay to move forward with this, so we can tell the mill, yes, you can produce this fabric, yeah. weave this fabric. We had to make sure the color was on target because the store, when you go walk into a store for a particular season, there's a whole color scheme that's going on there. So the colors have to be on point. Mm. So I took this black skirt, you know, the swatches to the colorist. And that's what she did all day was make sure the colors match the company standards. And she says, I can't approve this. There's like a rainbow of blacks here. And I'm like, rainbow of blacks? It's black. <laughs> and... Um, I had no idea what she was talking about. Yeah. But over time, I realized, yes, this black is more red than that black. I started to see what she was talking about. And so she would write comments back saying, telling the person at the color lab overseas, make 3% more yellow, reduce red by 2%. Mm -hmm. And it was like unbelievable. So they would go back and forth until the call, they got the color right. <laughs> and then another thing that I enjoyed watching was the whole fit sample process. The technical designers work with the fashion designers to create the specs for this garment. Right. So then they would send the specs to the factory and then the factory would send the garment back made up in, a, in the actual fabric that it was going to be in. Then they would fit it on the fit model and the fit model is selected, her measurements have to match the company standards. Yeah. They would go back and forth with the fitting and the overseas office trying to get the sample to fit properly. So they'll say, okay, take it in here, let it out there. Mm -hmm. And then there was, there was this whole, it was um, unbelievable. There was a whole room full of different people putting in their input the designer was there the tech designer was there and then the production people were there like that's where i came in the production people because then the designer might say you know what 
let's make that shorter or let's make that longer. Right. Let's add a button or two or let's remove that button. And everything you do affects the cost. Mm -hmm. So I would take notes remove button, make shorter, make sleeves longer, and then go back to my desk and I would write up what happened at the meeting and then write to the overseas office and ask them for the updated costing based on the specs that they're gonna receive from the tech designer. That was interesting to see that whole process and I was just absolutely amazed that anything got into the store with all this, all the work that went into it and all the back and forth. And it was just amazing to me, but it happens. (laughs) And that level of detail has to take place for the garment to be produced. Yes, yes. But not all companies do that. Mm -hmm. Um, This company is not a fast fashion company. Fast fashion, they skip all of those steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't, uh, I I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I think fast fashion skips a lot of steps and that's why they can move so fast Mm. and produce so many garments yeah and i'm still affiliated with this company but i'm a consultant now i do consulting work for them and again it's like the boring side of fashion because i have to create documents that tell the factories okay i want ten thousand jackets and these are the sizes we want these are the colors this is the delivery date that we want to meet and uh, these are the payment terms and it's just a lot of information like boring information (laughs) but necessary because it it has to be done in order for the factory to do the work they need this information so you're still contributing yes i am i'm still contributing and and it's fun to know what they're talking about they might say that uh something Mm -hmm. failed testing because the seams are ripping or something and now they have to line it with interfacing to reinforce it or whatever i know i know what they're talking about yeah that's right so i kind of live breathe fashion (laughs) yeah so that's what i do and you know i dream one day of doing something in fashion that's not so boring i don't want to say boring um kind well it is kind of boring but you know sometimes i toy around with an idea well, maybe I should sell fabric online. And I'm like, no, you know, the market's saturated. There's so many fabric stores online. I don't think, I don't, I don't want to go there. And so then I'm like, well, maybe I can do a, have a YouTube channel. But then there's so many people on YouTube teaching beginning sewing. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But then a friend of mine says, well, there's not many people teaching people how to use their slopers to draft their own patterns. So I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Someone said to me once that, you know, there are millions and millions of books out there, but there's no, there's nothing stopping you from producing a new book to go into that collection. Yeah, that's true. So if you were to do whatever it is that you're doing, you're actually contributing to whatever that collection is of possibly videos but I know yeah. that I would look at what you're doing because you always do things at a high end level. Thank you. And to me, that's why I'd be, sorry, that's why I'd be one of your followers from day one. Thank you so much. And I can say the same thing about you, your beautiful Chanel jackets. Thanks. Oh my God. <laughs> I have been wanting to do one yeah. 
but I just haven't gotten around to it. And you took a classes with class uh, with Susan Calgy. Yeah. So oh, that must have been wonderful. I mean, we're very lucky in Australia that she's come to Australia three times and run workshops. And I've been to each one, but I left the classic French jacket for the last because I knew how much work was involved. But now that I've done it, I wasn't just going to do one. I had to do, I always do three of everything. One of these days I'll get to do a French jacket. Oh no, it will fit perfectly. Thank you. I've been working from home and sometimes when I load the data in and it takes a while for the system to, like you, you see the little spinning thing yes. and it takes a while. So I'll run to my sewing room. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I could sew this door. And then I run back to the computer. It's still spinning. Okay, I'll do the other door. <laughs> <laughs> and then if it's still spinning you just grab the iron out and just press them <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and like i said before um sewing is such a refuge so if, if i've had a stressful day i just walk right in here and start sewing and it just melts away all the stress just melts away it's, it's just so good so i'm very happy to have this skill and i'm grateful to my mom who taught me and every time i well not every time but many times i think of her when i'm sitting sewing and i think i wish she was still around so we could like exchange sewing ideas and sew together but yeah she left me with a wonderful gift so i'll be grateful always exactly yeah she never leaves your heart Right, exactly, exactly. So, Tomasa, thank you for coming on to Sew Organized Style Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you for sharing your sewing history because I've followed part of it um, and the fact that you've told us that you started sewing because this was something that your mother taught you. It's a wonderful skill that she's provided you with and that you keep giving back to the sewing community. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you too for all that you do. And thank you so much, Maria. Thanks a lot, Tomasa. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Sew Organised Style Podcast is produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Tomasa, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Sew Organised Style Podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox and Libsyn, our podcast, our podcast distributor. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our, po on our podcast Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.